Hello. We are here. Hello, Sharon. <laughs> we made it. We made it to the podcast of the century. I am excited, excited, excited. So, and more to come. So this is where we are. So, and welcome to Beyond Fashion Podcast by Sharon Lawrence and Nyree Lewis. Hi Nyree, how are you today? I'm doing well in yourself. Good. So it's a it's a hot muggy day but a good day for a podcast. So this I is our agree. first this is our first one we're we're breaking our virginity and um, <laughs> I think it's a it, I think it's an interesting podcast for both you and I, and for our audience. And I think the title Beyond Fashion just exemplifies exactly what it is we're going to be saying on our platform, utilizing for the platform. We, we're both fashion professionals of decades of industry in the belly of the beast. And a lot of people want to know what that looks like, what that exactly. feels like. Right? There's so many. Yeah. Don't we have, we, we both have peers and, and newcomers to the industry that need a wealth of knowledge that we both have. Exactly. And yeah. So you, you've been in the industry a long time. How, how long have you been in the industry? Um, I stopped counting after 25. So I, I'm like 25 plus. Because, um, you know, when you keep telling how many years people are able to determine your age, and I just won't give out that information. So isn't, I stopped isn't counting the after truth? 25. Yeah. Isn't that it's, the truth? I stopped counting. I stopped saying after 30. And even 30 sounds crazy mm -hmm, to me. But I always sure. have to say 30 with, with also with the with the plus the, sign with, after with that. The, with the plus sign, <laughs> not only with the plus sign, but also with some background, like, oh, I started when I was 16, you know? So because right. we, we both know every industry, and especially an industry like the fashion industry, which like celebrates youth and young and new and fresh. Um, exactly. After, after a certain timing, they, they think they can X you out. But um, frankly, they need our knowledge because the youth, needs needs it um more so than anybody but um exactly. yeah so you know it's funny how you and i met um we don't know each other for centuries or decades it's um pretty much a new budding relationship of sorts where we met through a mutual designer friend who's so talented big yes. up big up mr vu voodoo Right. Voodoo Faye. Yeah. He's amazing at what he does. And he's been in the industry himself for a very long time. And he is one of my business partners amongst um, a ton of entities that I'm involved with. But that's how Sharon and I were able to meet one another and come up with this awesome idea that we're reading to you right now which is amazing because when you look at fashion, you think of it as this huge, huge business, huge entity, which it is, but it's so small because people are so connected and, you know, you bump into each other all the time. So it's an amazing business, amazing uh, entity to know about, but it also has some corners in here that, you know, you might want to stay away from. Yeah. So that's, that's what we're going to talk about. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, as small as it as it is, like I said, we've never really ran into each other mm -hmm. in on the industry playing field. It it was maybe a couple years now that we right. met with Boo, and we've been talking more during the pandemic, knowing what our industry is going through, and using you know each other as ping pong for you know for for everything in exactly in, in just staying in touch with what's going on, how is it going, how is it not going. How's it going to mm -hmm. continue to go? But um, I wanted us to just do the intro podcast to let the audience know basically our background, what makes us qualified to be talking about the things where we, we want to talk about. We're not just talking about it because we're 
fans of fashion. Although we are, it's our passion. But um, there's a lot of information, a lot of education. And a lot of it is not, you know, you can go to the, 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 the several different colleges out there and you still really don't learn what you learn in the boardroom, in the showroom, at Market exactly. Week, behind mm -hmm. the scenes of it all. So um, I, if you, if you, if you want to go first, I'll let you go first. Um, again, I'm Nairi Lewis. I've been in the industry for 25 plus years. I've well, let me, let me, let me ask you this. How did uh -huh. you, because it, I think I, I like having a conversation versus just like a preaching scenario. Thank you. Um, I, yeah, I agree. Yeah. And that's kind of why we both like wanted to do the podcast too, because, you know, some people, you just don't want somebody talking to you and whatever, but. Um, I don't want to feel like I'm on an interview, you know. I just yeah, wanna, yeah, 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 yeah. So um, we can go back and forth and asking each other, you know, questions. I think will flow naturally because it just will. And right. um, just between between we, you know, we have a. Um, I don't know what I'm saying, but <laughs> no, I just think like the conversation will make things so much more interesting versus mm -hmm. me just, you know, going over my resume as to who yeah. I am and what I, I've done. I agree. So, so then let's yeah. start. There. So let's start there. So how did you first get into um, the fashion industry? Or if you want to even give some little bit more background, where are you from, Larry? Because I don't even know. Are you? I am Brooklyn, born and raised. I am a Brooklyn girl. So. Here I am, I'm American, you know, um, and that's it. Yeah. When you like, what, see, like what, part of, what part of Brooklyn have you bounced around Brooklyn? Uh, for the most part, I've been East Flatbush for the majority of my life. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, that's the part of Brooklyn that I am well known for. And your, been, your, your, your parents are also from Brooklyn, uh, the East Coast, or they're from other parts of the... My father is from the South. My mm -hmm. mother is also a Brooklyn native, born and raised. Okay. And yes, my my grandfather is Panamanian, but okay. you know, on my mother's side. But that's it for the most part. She All was right, born so here. I was there's born a little, here. There's a little yeah. bit of spice in there. There's a little yeah, spice. yeah, a little well, bit of spice. I too was um raised in Brooklyn, but prior to Brooklyn, I my family came from Belize, Central mm -hmm. America, and um quick story I remember coming over the Brooklyn Bridge our first time ever coming to New York and I was like in amazement of the huge vastness of New York and the mm -hmm. lights and buildings and the bridges and the architecture and the people and it was like you know coming from Belize which is a very very small it's not an island but a very small uh, you know, city, country in Belize, mm -hmm. world country to such a vast first world country that was like it's it was like a shocker, yeah. It's like, like a shocker, but you know, like when you talk to people in the entertainment industry and they're like amazed by the lights, and it was just amazing to me, like the lights of opportunity mm -hmm. that you know America offered or New York offered. So I never took any of that type of thing for for granted. So right. you wind up going to school. So I went we, to, we, we both mm -hmm. from Brooklyn, both from Brooklyn, we went to school in Brooklyn. And I, I also grew, grew up in Flatbush too a little bit off Church Avenue, Avenue C area when I was uh, oh, okay. Yeah. Nice. So I went to school, um public school was PS thirty eight downtown Brooklyn off of Nevin Street. And then for middle school, I went to IS 119, I believe. You know, it's a long time ago. Yeah. Last night. And for high school, I, I did a little stint at Sarah J. Hale. But then my mother moved to the Bronx and I went to James Monroe. And oh, as soon okay. as I was old enough to get out of the Bronx, I boogie back to Brooklyn because, you know, <laughs> this is where it's at. No, that's so, right. Yeah, but uh, Sarah J. Hale for a little bit. And then... Um, yeah, James Monroe. And then for college, I did uh, FIT. And uh, that was that's where the whole fashion thing started started to unwind. But before but how did you know how did you know you wanted to go to FIT though? 
That's the story. So, okay. you know, I, I, I ended up in FIT because I had took on a temp position with Philip Van Heusen. Mm. And that's how I was introduced to the fashion industry. Because prior to, that information just wasn't exposed in our no. neighborhoods right. and in our schools. You know, none of our teachers ever taught us about fashion and how to get into the industry. So how I tripped up on it was because I was looking for work and I got a temp job at Van Heusen. And once I started working in Van Heusen and, you know, I was, I started out in operations and they would have me in the showroom with them and they would be having these conversations that I couldn't understand because fashion has a whole nother language to it. Right. And um, that didn't work for me. I don't like to feel like I'm not aware or that I don't know what's happening around me. So I was like, you know, if I'm gonna be here, let me learn about it. So I say, let me take a course at FIT. Well, nice. I got registering for a course and that that's where it all began. And nice. I've been in love with it ever since. Yeah. Now, funny enough, my high school situation, I went to Edward R. Murrow High School. Um, prior to that, I went to Our Lady of Solace. I went to Immaculate Heart of Mary. It was a Catholic school growing up okay. for me. I went to one public school. I don't remember PS something, but after that, it was primarily um, Catholic school. And in high school, um, my sophomore year, this, my school, Edward R. Murrow offered, it was a school of communication and arts and things. So one of the extracurricular activities at school was um, they did a fashion show every mm -hmm. year. So they did an annual fashion show. And I really remember like wanting to model in the fashion show. And I was terrified. Oh my God. <laughs> I was, I was like, there's no way I'm going to fall. I'm going to like, everything under the sun, every excuse made. And although like I was an outgoing personality, I wasn't too shy. I might've had some shyness to me, but I was probably pretty outgoing. Um, but that, that, that thing just, it just, it just made me freeze to think mm. of the idea of doing that. But I had some peers and they were like, oh, we're going to do it. You should do it, do it, do it, do it, do it. So I garnered up the strength <laughs> to <laughs> audition and model and I got in what do you know so nice. now I'm modeling in the fashion show um and I loved it oh my god it was like when when you hear musicians or other people talking about I got bit by the bug or the stage just like adopted me or whatever I just loved it, it was such a high, it was so, you were so nervous that mm -hmm. you probably wanted to throw up or like <laughs> pee yourself or something. But then once you made the first or second step and you just knew that you had to carry the attitude that you were like mm -hmm. higher than life and better than everybody in the room and you could work the stage and all the faces and all the eyes were on you. And it was amazing. It was an amazing feeling. Look at so, Sharon. Go right? Sharon. Confidence right. we have. Right. Okay. Confidence filled up the room. And then from, and that was like sophomore year, I want to say. And then by like junior year, I was in it again. And um, my mom was a seamstress. Like she used to sew a lot of our stuff, even from back in Belize days. So mm -hmm. she knew how to sew. Whenever there was something that needed to be fixed, she, she would sew. My grandmother had a sewing machine. And I remember uh, designing a dress that I was, because they weren't giving us clothes for the fashion show. It was like, you had to come up with your own fly <laughs> shit to model. They weren't, they weren't getting the best designer stuff for us. So I designed the easy like black fitted Jersey dress with an asymmetrical hem that had an asymmetrical like sash around the hip. And that was like in a shiny fabric of sorts and, and then I don't know where I got extra fabric from in like the suede leather that I oh, made. Girl. I made a um a bikini set out of it. And you know what? By the end of the by the end of the school year, I was involved with like producing the fashion show and organizing it. And 
So that's kind of where even like production came into place, putting things, putting the pieces of things together. And, um, and then uh, I remember senior year, a few of my friends were going out on internships because by this time we're way too cool to like be in school anymore. (laughs) Because, you know, like for seniors, you have like what, two classes, two Mm -hmm. elective classes that is nonsense classes that you don't really need to be in class in school all day. And so they were going out on internships. And one of my, one of my girlfriends told me about it. And um, there were several different ones. One was going for like communications. They went to like WBLS for an intern. And then for fashion, we actually went to a couple of showrooms. Nice. And we went to a showroom and it was like five of us in a circle with the owner. This was a really tiny showroom back in the day. And um, it was really weird because the owner had us, had us um, in a circle talking about, you know, what, what we, uh, what our profile is, what we like, tell us a little bit about yourself. You know, when you're, when you're 16 years old, like, what do you have to tell about yourself? But anyway, <laughs> he, um, he really kind of shocked us at one point and he was like, I'm going to go around and I want you guys to say, fuck you. <laughs> I love it. And I completely understand where that comes from, but go ahead. And I was like, what? I was like, does he know he's talking to like 16 year olds? Like he's going to have us, like some of my friends were like, like you could tell, like all, we all kind of like looked at each other, like dude is crazy. And, um, so he went around and, you know, one of my girlfriends was like, fuck you. Another one in her shy tone, fuck you. Another one in, her, you know, really shy tone. And I was like, what? like, I made up the face, the, the, the eyes, the, attitude. the forehead <laughs> attitude. And I was like, fuck you. Do you know, to this, day, to this day, that's the story he tells people, because I still run, run into him to this day. And he'll say, that's why I hired her. Yeah, because you have to have a thick skin. Mm-hmm. You have to know. <laughs> so that was so that was my first training. I was like, wow. So you got to know when to tell people, um, you know, that oh, you're not wow. you're not a push you're not a pushover. You're not exactly. Pushover. I didn't learn that until late in the industry, and I, I, for the most part, when I was younger, I was very uh, shy and very like an introvert to myself, you know, I communicated only when I had to, but, mm-hmm. you know, I never really like stood up in front of the crowd. Being in that industry will change you and transform you in so many different ways. And it's definitely an industry that will chew you up and spit you out if you're not prepared for it. So uh, yeah, being, yeah, being it's very, there. It's very, very, very competitive with yes. everybody, with uh-huh. your coworkers, with with your bosses, with people mm-hmm. walking down the street. It's like everyone is just uh, wants to be the first one in line or, you yeah, know. Exactly. Yeah. So, so you got to have that healthy balance of, you know, going in there and still smiling and being a human being. Yeah. And then knowing yes. when to turn a oh switch God. and be like, this is so not going to happen because, you know, you just let the beast out of you and then know when to pull a beast back and tuck it back in its place. And, you know, yeah. you had to do that like every day. So it's definitely yeah. an industry to that's all of its own. You know, you really can't compare it to any other industry out there because there's so many different angles. And Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, won't, it so, won't let you be a pushover. You have to like you said, you have to be a chameleon and you have to know when to work the charm and then when to like work the professionalism and when to work the hard edge. Mm -hmm. So that was pretty much my intro um, into it. I wound up getting the internship. um, And at the end of the school year, they wound up hiring me to be like, remember back in those days, they didn't even really call them receptionists. They called them gal Fridays. I don't know if you remember. <laughs> I don't that. remember that. Yeah, no, I didn't have. Was, I didn't have one of those. Okay. It was. A, it was like a receptionist position, but um, even receptionist was a little bit more professional than a gal Friday. A gal Friday was pretty much like you worked your way up to being a receptionist. It was okay. Yeah, it was like you. You want they want coffee. They want you to go down to Dwayne Reed and get Tylenol. They want you to clean up the showroom. 
I was modeling in the showroom, like when they had meetings and and stuff with the buyers, I would model in the meetings. Um, but I was doing everything from Ooh. A to Z, from soup to nuts. Like if I had to go to the cleaners to pick something up for the owner, if I, if the, you know, and it was funny because the first company, that same company was a multi-line showroom, which meant he he represented different brands. Like he right. represented, he had a denim line, he had a t-shirt line, he had a dress line. And it was a lot, it was a really good foundation for me because I worked with so many different diverse categories. Right. And he owned the company um, at this, at that time, he was probably in his early thirties. The guy, my, my boss, Jeff, who owned it and his mother worked at the company and, um, family owned business. And I was trying to go to FIT at night while I was learning during the day. And every time I was learning during the day, I, everything, you know, every time I kind of went to FIT to class, it was like a joke to me because right. I was like, what I'm learning one day on the job, you guys have no clue on, like mm -hmm. I'm learning so much during the day. And of course, back then, not that you don't take education so seriously, but I was just learning too much during the day that I was like, you know what? I don't, I don't need FIT for this. So I wound up not going to FIT, but, um, in hindsight, it's, it's very true. You know, you, you know, the piece of paper from, and I think education is important dependent on the field that you're in. I agree. Because, um, for the fashion industry, 90% of what I've learned in a classroom, I never used at work. Mm -hmm. I think the only thing I can translate from sitting in a classroom to actually working is uh, retail math. Because yes. The retail math is just like one of those things that you can't, I mean, you can learn it at work, but if you don't have a good teacher, you're definitely not going to yes. get the logistics of it. I agree. So that's like the, probably the only thing that I say, you know, hand claps to FIT for, you know, really showing me how to do that because even a costing sheet you really can't take from the classroom because each company is handles different. their costing sheets yeah so you know they look for the, the they look for the diploma and the degree to say that you i feel like school is showing that you can be dedicated to something because yeah. i really didn't have the uh the information that i took from the classroom didn't really translate into the office because no one teaches you in the classroom when the, the meeting doesn't go the way that it's supposed to. And, you know, the people start standing up shouting at each other from across the table. And <laughs> one person gets so frustrated <laughs> that he actually throws a, a phone across the table. And you're like, oh, you just don't learn that in classrooms. So, right. right. I don't know. No, you're absolutely right. I, I do remember um, retail math. And I really wish I even took more of retail math at that time. And I do recall even a uh, textiles class and just mm -hmm. understanding, I guess, some of the basics of textiles. But once again, it depends on the company that you go to. And, exactly. depending, on, and depending on the company that you go to, you're learning even more hands-on than looking mm -hmm. at a piece of polyester, you know, and then exactly. fabrics and its contents changes so drastically with, with uh, technology and mills and, you know. Like overnight. You know, you're yes. sitting in a classroom for a month just to learn a different, like a 60-40 uh, cotton-rich blend. And by the time you get to the office, they done changed it to an 80-20 and a 7-30. And you're like, oh, what? okay. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Mm. absolutely. You're absolutely yeah. right. Yeah. So you were working in the showroom or you were working at the back-end offices so, um, when I first started out, I was in operations, but being a part of the opera, and, and that's the other thing, each company, the titles for their positions are completely different. different. Because when you tell somebody operations, they think that you're doing like moving a truck or something. And I'm like, no, I'm actually handing all of the purchase orders and dealing with the customers to make sure that I'm maintaining delivery and making sure that the spread collar that they want on their dress shirt matches the body and that it's not white. So my title as an operation is completely different from a title of operations in a different company. So yeah. when my boss went in the showroom, I accompanied him because I was his person who was making sure whatever that buyer was requesting was being noted, 
being delivered and being put together. I worked with the factories hands-on and negotiated prices and, you know, did a whole lot of stuff that most people in operations in a different company would never even handle. So, yeah, you know what, and that's, that's really, that's like priceless education right there because even for me, I didn't learn that until like after a while of really even getting more or less into sales, you know, in the showroom, we have market week. Market week is once a month. The buyers come in, they shop for the next season, which is traditionally what, three to six months in advance. So ideally too, I've been living my entire like career, like six years ahead. I mean, uh, six Mm -hmm. months and six months in advance. Right. Because right. we're always on to the next season. On like right now, we're on to spring 2022. Forget, right. you know, fall is over with. Back to school's over with. Holiday is almost done. So now we're on to spring 2022, which is your February, January deliveries. But um having said that, on the front end, we would have, you know, and back in those days too, especially like for the company I was working with, it's not, it's not such a corporate it's professional, but professional in comparison to like a Wall Street office or Mm -hmm. an insurance company or any of those type of things. It's totally not corporate. You Mm -hmm. come and you wear, you kind of wear what you want, not necessarily what you want, but as long as you're like even looking, you know, fashion and trendy-ish, you can't come in there half naked and and things of that nature, but you can come in there pretty, pretty much on a creative tip the office was um, was pretty because it was showroom. Mm-hmm. So right. you know, nice windows and plants, and and mm-hmm. I had to make sure and maintain that the showroom was clean. And and um, even after a while, with this same particular company that I started with, I quit because I was like, "Why am I being the? Why am I? Am I the only little black slave like in the showroom?" Ooh, ooh. Like, like mm-hmm. that's how you know as a after as a while it registers that way right mm-hmm. as a 17 then even going into 18 i'm like yeah i'm making like decent money maybe it might have been like 500 dollars a week or something or maybe even a little bit less than that i had to work my way up to that even so even for like a 17 18 year old it was probably decent money but i was like why you know i'm cleaning up after everybody i'm like the only little black girl I was intimidated because everybody was older than me and the majority office was, no, the entire office was Caucasian um, Mm. and primarily uh, a little bit of mix, primarily Jewish. And so that, that in itself is a different world. I remember even, I remember even answering the phones, you know, I would, I would think I'm being professional, like good afternoon showroom and my the, one of the young ladies took me aside and was like, Sharon, you can't answer the phone like that. You sound like you're mad or you're mean or you're, it's almost too serious. You almost have to really? sound per- you ha- you have to sound perky and friendly and delightful. So it went from that to good afternoon, showroom. <laughs> like, <laughs> like it was like like you're being invited in, and how can I help you? And you know, in a you almost had to sing your sing your uh sing your response right sing, yeah to make every and then it's funny enough too because having done that for x amount of time whenever i would have my own friends call the office they had no idea it was me i sounded white all of a sudden i sound white oh you sound white <laughs> i'm like you know what this now here here we go with the you can't sound proper you can't speak proper english without being sounding white without without sounding Mm -hmm. white right so i had i had that going on too but i remember even like quitting the job for a short time i went to another company and i wasn't working in their showroom but i was working in their back-end offices where they did like the accounting and i was working with um probably you know operations people and all that too but i was working on like commission statements and po's and and stuff like that but they still had me like kind of slaving away mm-hmm. so I, I believe it or not I wound up going back to the first company that I was with because they were like Sharon come back come back and um, maybe when I went back maybe I made a little bit more money and by this time I was 
doing some sales assistant stuff. I was sitting in on meetings. I was, you know, getting more familiar with the lingo and how to deal with buyers. And, you know, when they came in, instead of it being such a task for me to offer them something to drink, it was like immediate. Oh, do you want water, coffee, da, 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 da. making it very like hospitable, right? Because that's kind of what you have to do in making mm-hmm. buyers feel hospitable. Right. And then what's funny too, back in those days, some of the executives, there was a lot of heavy drug things going on as a youth that I didn't even know about. I was not aware of until way later that they were doing coke in the office (laughs) or things of that nature. Buyers were very friendly with a lot of the manufacturers and were whining and dining and being paid off and bribery is heavy and bribery was heavy and it's like, I'll give you this if you give us this amount of business type of scenarios. Mm. And so, you know, I saw I saw a lot of all of that. Um, not really even knowing. And it's very innocent. Like, but really, you know, really good. I remember, you know, even like that, the first company, since he had all those different lines that he repped, one of the lines in particular blew the other ones out of the water. And so he wound up giving up the other ones became a partner in that one. The company did so well. They we we got into like a huge showroom, big opened up a big showroom and they expanded in doing not just like sportswear, because back in the day it was called sportswear, right? Mm-hmm. Sportswear and denim and dresses and knits and wovens and all these different categories, because the buyers all buy by category. They don't right. just buy what you want to show them. They there's a buyer for every single category. That's when you become familiar with knowing what knit fabrics are, woven fabrics exactly. are. Right. Yep. So, and you, that was that, that was your world. Yeah, I definitely had the uh, opportunity of being able to cross over to like multiple different categories because majority of the people who came in, they came in by. Uh, store. So we handled like Macy's, Bloomingdale's, and then we did a whole lot of off-price stores like Ross. And um, Ross was like our biggest one. Mm-hmm. So with Ross, they bought all of the categories that all of the big box stores brought. But when mm-hmm. you dealt with Ross, you only dealt with one buyer who handled all of those categories. So you had to familiarize yourself with all of the different fabrications that this buyer wanted to entertain because he may want to come in and buy from denim and then some lingerie. It was crazy. So I'm like, oh, now I got to know nylon and I got to know, you know, lace and all this other stuff and the weights of these fabrics because it plays a heavy part into your pricing. So but now how, we- would you, how, would, how would you know that? You would learn that through what? The mills, the fabric suppliers? So trend shows and stuff like that and you just really had to know your customer you really had to know your buyer and what he was interested in and know the customer because um if he came in and he said he wanted a button-down shirt but his all he wanted to pay was five dollars a shirt you then had to know what kind of construction you can offer him in order to meet what he's looking for Mind you, he still wants to replicate the shirt that's in Bloomingdale's yeah. for his store. So yeah. you're sitting here and you're like, you want a Bloomingdale's shirt pattern, but you want to pay $5 for it. Mind you, we just charged Bloomingdale's like $13 for this shirt, but now I got to figure out how I can give it to you for $5. But there was no such thing as telling them no. So you you really had to figure it out. So it comes into changing the construction of the yarn making a weave a little bit looser and all of that plays a part in how much the fabric will cost you. But, you know, you learn, I learned these things because unfortunately we were thrown in the fire. We didn't mm-hmm. have training. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we had no one to sit there and hold our hands. And unfortunately as young black women, we really had to fight to make sure that we weren't letting, you know, our Caucasian counterparts outdo mm-hmm. us. You know, they came in with no experience and got paid more than you did. They came in with no experience and got a higher position than you did. So now you're there and you're being thrown in the fire with no training. Minding you, you're training them while you're learning. 
So, and, you know, we couldn't go and say, I don't know. It was just, you know, figure it out. So that's how I started to build like relationships with factories and mills and things like that. Because I'm like, yo, I need this shirt at $5. And there's no such thing as telling me you can't do it. Right. Let me know what you can do so we could figure this out. So then they would, they would come back and be like, okay, this shirt is a 180s by 40s. And we're going to have to change your construction to. And that's when I would learn like, oh, they're going to change my construction to a one instead of a 180 i'm not going to get a 140 by 20 which means my weave is not as tight it's a little bit looser but they can keep the same pattern so as i'm learning this i'm literally writing my own bible so this way the next time the question came up to me i can be like all right well let me see what i can do instead of sitting there freezing like a deer in headlights like oh shit, what i'm gonna do i'd be like okay i think i could but instead of five dollars i probably can get it to you for like 575 that's the best i can do so, so when you're when you're saying let me just stop you because i know mm -hmm. some people are gonna because we we're so knowledgeable that we just take it for granted that people know right so when you're saying take it from a you know do a 120 or a 140 you're talking about the grams of weight of the fabric so when it's it's the grams of weight of fabric but it's also more important on a weave the so weave the weave okay. of the fabric because, because the tighter the tighter, the tighter it is the, weave, mm -hmm. the more so the tighter the weave the more uh better hand fill you'll get the fabric itself is stronger you get a better visual from it and it holds tighter it gives you more of a lustrous look because but it's but it's also more expensive definitely for sure right so if you loosen so. up the weave you can have and not so, so red, quality, exactly. but the price is workable for their retail prices. Right, for their customer. So that's yeah. where knowing the customer. So the person who shops at Ross stores is looking for a discount. Versus yeah. the person who's shopping in Bloomingdale's who's looking for quality. So you have to know like, okay, I can't do this 120s by 80s for a Bloomingdale shirt because the customer's going to look at it and going to be like, hmm. I don't like it. The blue is not as blue as I would. And it also affects your color uh, registration as well. So, I mean, there's so much that goes into. No, I know. I know. But people really, you know, they don't. They don't. That's, that's so, the store that's and so see a shirt. <laughs> yeah, that's so advanced for um, a lot of people. For, so forgive the, the noise of the ambulance going by. I don't know if you heard <laughs> it coming through the window. I was no. trying to like close the window at the same time. But I mean, for me, like that is information that I learned way later that I even wish I probably had known. Like at least you kind of learned that out the gate. Whereas I learned how to deal with the buyers out the gate. Okay. So when we knew we had market week coming up and we had, the line coming in for the next season, steaming out the garments, making them look good, taking mm -hmm. pictures of them, creating style numbers and line sheets and, you know, just the whole like package to package to the buyers mm -hmm. um, and learning how what they look for when they initially buy a, a collection, what they look for in a company so that they have a comfort level in the company. Um, knowing how to designers design for the retailers and not for themselves. Right. There's, a lot of, there's a lot of designers who would want to come in and just like design out the wazoo and probably be amazing at those designs. But that's not what the store is looking for. That's exactly. not what's going to sell to their customer. That's mm -hmm. not going to fall into their price point. That's not going to like gel well with them whatsoever. So learning how to really design for the retailers, whether it's department stores or the the uh, specialty stores or specialty chain stores, or even the discounters. Um, like you said, discounters come in with their own ideas of knocking off XYZ mm -hmm. from the better stores. And, and that's a whole new product. It's not even like they're just buying off price stuff. They're right. doing, they're doing product development for their own accounts. But I remember back in those days, like, you know, one of my first accounts um, that I absolutely loved, like remember, back in the day, remember we had um, before like Joyce Leslie that was in the neighborhood. Um, remember Don't go too far back, Sharon. No, 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 no. <laughs> I, but I'm just saying like 
those are stores that we kind of like shopped at, at as th- those mm-hmm. were our version of Fashion Nova. Right. Um, I remember Canadians on, you know, 34th Street. That was like the <laughs> the hottest was, like, mm-hmm. retail store, TikTok stores. Right. I mean, I used to love those stores. Right. So um, like some of those were my first accounts. And, you know, you would think and you would think that because they're smaller stores that the buyers, some of the buyers are friendly. Don't get it twisted. But a lot of them, you know, it's almost like buyers have a chip on their shoulder of sorts because so many people are calling them, harassing them for an appointment, for an order, for this, for that. It's almost just human nature. If it was some, if somebody was nagging you for something like every other day, you would not want to answer the phone. You would not want to answer an email back in then, back then we didn't even have emails at least, you know, (laughs) I mean, I've had buyers call, cold, just, you know, hang up a phone in your ear or, you know, they're ignoring you. And that's right. kind of where that whole mentality of like, you can't take no for an answer. Mm-hmm. You got to keep it going. Yeah. You can't take it personal. You can't like make it about you at all. It's not about you. It's about, and it's not like you're begging. You're doing your job. That's what your job is. Your job is to get in that business. Yep. Get them on the phone, get them in the, sh- get them in the showroom, get some kind of form of communication going and even like expanding on your communication skills, um, you know, finding new ways to have a conversation, finding ways to, you know, to latch on to them, whether you're being somewhat fake, but you're being cordial. Oh, how are the kids? <laughs> how was your weekend? That dress is amazing. You know, whatever it is, but that's when it kind of started kicking in why he like asked us to say, go fuck you at <laughs> an interview, because that's exactly what you want to say. You, that's exactly what you want to say to a buyer or a coworker or somebody who's not doing exactly. things, but it's, it's not because, but it, that's just how the process is. So you just right. kind of have to respect the process. But so, yeah. So going from, from, uh, sales of that nature yeah Mm -hmm. i mean but that's what you know i really you know on out i had the opportunity of being a person on the outside looking in because you know i wasn't introduced to it as a young person i was i fell into it because of in need of work and then Mm -hmm. i had the opportunity of being on the other side of the table and seeing like how this all comes together and the amount of stress that Mm -hmm. you encounter working mm-hmm. in this industry is it's just unmeasurable because yeah. you at well on the other side you go oh it's just a shirt you see it you know just making it to the store mm-hmm. but being on the other side and actually having to get that shirt made so it can actually get to the store and the amount of people that you work in between in order to make that happen. With that one shirt oh, to go happen. It's amazing. It is absolutely amazing. And you know, I to be honest, I mean, I've I've worked with some straight demons. Like mm-hmm. oh my like really you wake up just to be this mean? Like really? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. I've worked with some people who were very, you know, helpful and sweet and kind and you know, forthcoming. But it's also that industry where you want to teach somebody, but you can't teach them enough because they will they will dismiss you in a heartbeat. And be right. like, next, next. So you always no, had to feel true. like you had that edge. So you know, yeah. uh, you know, and people ask me all the time, like, "Oh, Nareen, if you had it to do it over, would you have picked the fashion industry?" And I tell them in a heartbeat, absolutely not. Right. I'd be like, no, I love it. Oh, absolutely not. Okay, not, go ahead. I wouldn't do it because, you know, I love it. And I I fell in love with it. And it's almost like a marriage, you know. You yeah. start dating this person. You're like, oh, this is nice. Okay, great. And then, you know, you go out on a couple of dates and you're like, oh, okay, this is good. <laughs> and then you get married and you're like, oh, what the hell did I do? <laughs> <laughs> That's the well, best I way gotta, I explain I gotta, it. I got I to gotta tell you, um, I remember early in one of the young ladies that I worked with was like, Sharon, get out of this industry and get out quick. (laughs) And 
She was like, go back to school, go be a lawyer or somebody else that you want to be. But like, this is a dying industry. Mm. And I was like, what? I was like, you know what? You're probably tired and old and bitter. <laughs> and you, it's dying for you. But I'm young and vibrant. And I got, you know, fashion on the brain, right? And you know what? Not for nothing. I was always like, I remember like my father asking me, in high school. So, you know, what are you going to study in school? What do you want to be when you grow up? Those type of questions. And he said he had mentioned something that like stuck to me. He's like, you know, do something that people are always going to need or want. And I was like, well, the only thing people need are food, shelter, and clothes. And that kind of stuck with me in my head. I was like, you know what? I don't think I'm going to be cooking anything. And that's the only thought <laughs> process I even thought about was food. And then I was like, shelter, I didn't even know, like, understand real estate to really even fathom that too much. But I knew I liked clothes and I knew that that out of those three necessities that you need in life, everybody needs clothes. Everybody's going to always wear clothes. And that was kind of like the rationale be behind the passion to go forth with doing it. Nice. And, and um that's kind of what stuck with it. So early on when I, when, when they even told me that I was like, yeah, maybe you're miserable, but da, 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 da. So, you know, here we are years, decades later. And I guess, you know, if you ask me would I do it again, I think I would still, do, I would, I would still do it again. It's, it's, you know, okay. part, part of what gets you is at least on the sales end of it too, was the money was good. That is so I, true. I, at 22, from being in the industry, not even a good, what, I was started at 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22. I was making $100,000. I bought a See? house at 22. Beautiful. See, I didn't, I didn't get that lucky like that. No, but you know what, the, <laughs> but that's what I, but no, but that's what I figured out later too, is that people in sales make money off of, off of their salary and commissions. Mm -hmm. I don't know how other and depending other areas on, depending, is not yeah, as I'm, lucrative because you don't get the commissions, you just get a salary. You get a salary, right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and see, so, those are the things that I didn't have the opportunity. And, and that's what I love about Fashion Beyond is because when people think fashion, they just think the end result of the clothes. Right. They don't understand that there are so many different levels to this that can be super, super lucrative, super, super challenging and, you know, beneficial. And that's what I feel like, you know, we can bring to this new audience that's, you know, thinking of doing something because I agree. they just they 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 see it and they like, oh, I want to I want to come out with my own line. Right. And, and there's so many <laughs> positions out there that they're not aware right. of. I mean. The only other people who I know, and you know, in addition to like sales or an owner, depending on the, the designer, because designers can make out well, depending on the company, mm -hmm. they're mm -hmm. really appreciated as a designer for the company. Um, our plant on the buying side, I was always told, oh, buyers don't get paid that much. They get, you know, uh, a basic salary and they have to go, they're the ones that have to go to school and get their bachelor's and you know, really become, and they're really the ones who do a lot of the hard legwork as it mm -hmm. pertains to retail and logistics and things of that. And we, I mean, we have to do that too on the manufacturing side, but when you have to do it for like a chain of department stores, that's why those buyers are all stressed out. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, it's like, I re you know, I remember when May Company department stores all consolidated and a lot of people lost jobs. And even with Federated, when Federated glommed up Macy's and Bloomingdale's right. and ANS, remember ANS? I do. <laughs> what about Alexander's? Alexander's. <laughs> next, you know, it was called Federated and yep. it was really just Macy's spearheading it. But a lot of them really, if they don't, it's all about numbers. And if they don't make numbers, they're cut and they're done. Mm -hmm. But on the on the flip side of the buying part of it, I know planners make a lot, make a decent amount of money. Planners mm -hmm. from more so than buyers, 
or even merchandisers. Planners are the ones who tell the buyers, this is your budget. You have to maintain this amount of business in denim, this amount of business in t-shirts. They dictate right. to you the numbers that you have to buy. And you and they also, yeah, they help them out with letting them know like what really worked and what sold. Right. So that way they could buy more into it and right. you know keep those numbers because you know the buyer she goes and she listens she looks at what what worked for her and what didn't work for her right and if your planner they're literally screwed because that planner is the one that makes sure that the dollars that you have are allocated properly yes and you know it's it's so many so many different avenues that these new people who are coming into the industry can go into and it's not just about design and yes. you know, coming out with a line and uh, un the unfortunate part of it you and i we got in it kind of early made some decent numbers your numbers is a whole lot better than mine for sure mm -hmm. but um but that's, right that's, now, what, that's kind of what spoiled me too is i couldn't just go to any sorry to cut you off mm -hmm. i just couldn't i just couldn't just go be working in an insurance company and make that type of money. Exactly. You know what I mean? So that's kind of what makes you stuck too, because uh -huh. you know that if you're going to make this amount of money versus being in real estate, yeah, you can make that money, but you're like kind of starting all over again. And mm -hmm. why would you? And da, da, da. so the money kind of spoiled you into it too. So it's either the passion for it and the thick skinness of it, and the creativity that keeps flowing that you like about it. I do, and, I do, and the money. I do have to accredit the industry for helping me to develop a thicker skin. I'm not as sensitive as I was growing up. Also, it also helped me to become a person that's not afraid to communicate with mm -hmm. anyone in anywhere. You know, I, I'll walk into a restaurant, a store, by the time I leave there, I got like two new best friends and you know, I'm right. working out a deal with someone because I just don't have a fear of having a conversation with someone anymore. And that's I a lot. Yeah. So, you know, it, it has its plus and its minuses. Yeah. And it's, you know, the, the things that we would definitely like to when we have our, you know, special people on a panel to talk to and interview with them. Yeah, that's going like, to be another, that's going to, that's a great aspect to the podcast is we're going to have other professionals in the belly of the beast of fashion come on board and give their expertise and knowledge and share with us. Um, there's not a lot of people who want to share, but our people want to share because we know we know that this is not a dying industry. People are always going to wear clothes, whether you mm -hmm. sell it in a store or on the internet. Everything continues to evolve and pivot, but. Um, Hopefully, you know, we can we can enlighten, we can teach, we can share, we can, you know, just open up, open up the conversation that people can even call in or messenger us or um, right. be a part of the conversation themselves. But and then, you know, the people who were entertained and they want to share because they do understand that for a brown face at the table is a whole lot different than, you know, one of a different persuasion. Absolutely. And, you know, we have been in situations where we should be so much further along than where we are, but because the things didn't work out the way they were supposed to, or those things were stripped from us, it didn't bring us to the next level. So we want to help those understand and avoid those type of pitfalls because now you have people who have been through it, experienced it, and now can help you not go through it. So it's going to be amazing. Definitely have some great things to talk about with some great people. And we definitely want to hear from you, see what your thoughts are and what you can, you know, enlighten the listeners to. We're going to be on um, the, the, the streamlined services available to podcasts. Um, such as Apple and iTunes, and we're going to upload some of the conversations also on the YouTube channel, all under Beyond Fashion. Um, I'm Facebook, Instagram, also. Woohoo! Yeah, yeah. So I'm looking forward to it. I really, really am. It's so needed. I get so many calls 
on a daily basis, Sharon, how do you do this? Sharon, what's that? How do you navigate through? And, mm-hmm. and, um, and you're right. It's one of those industries where we're not afraid to ask the right people, the right questions. Even for me in, in, in sales, there's a lot of times you don't want to call a buyer. There's a lot of times you don't want to call the warehouse or the factory or mm-hmm. whatever, but you just have to hit send and let the phone ring. <laughs> and if they pick it up, they pick it up. And if they exactly. don't, they don't. And it's not going to kill you because what doesn't, you know, kill you, make you stronger, right? Exactly. Yeah. So um, I just think a lot of people just don't know. Um, and it would be a great source of enlightenment for them. So Yay, Naree. We Yay. made it. We did we, it. We made it. We didn't, I don't think we bored them too much with much of anything. We're under uh, an we're under an hour. Okay. That's good. I think, I think that's good too if we keep it under an hour and we can have uh but people I'm like sure 100%. remember remember wait, you have to do your commercial. You have to remember to like and subscribe <laughs> and you know, make a comment, give us your feedback, ask us questions. Ring the bell. <laughs> be like negative or good. We want your feedback. So this way we can know how to make sure moving forward. So I'm yeah. pretty sure that there's going to be like a, a shitload of people who have something to say. But, you know, I'm all for it. That's what's going to make this exciting to get the feedback and, you know, hear how people, you know, gravitate to it. But this and you know what? There's, 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 there's going to be other, other probably like-minded uh podcasts out there or how to do this, how to do that. But honestly, I think like this is where the buck stops. Like you wouldn't want to go anywhere else. Right. I think the chemistry that you and I have together and how just, you know, the relationships we have with people, I'm sure you have those who hate you and love you and vice versa. But I think our communication, like how we talk about it, is just so free and open and, you know, inviting and informative and people will, will gravitate to that versus, you know, nobody wants to sit and listen to a stuffy conversation where it's like right. completely scripted. You know, right. I like the idea where, you know, we bounce back and forth, we cut each other off, we have something to say, you know, <laughs> it just makes it like, oh yeah, I was thinking that too, kind of a situation. So I mean, that's, that's what, this is, this was great, Sharon. I'm excited. Yay! I'm excited too. I'm excited too. Yeah. So, um, thanks now. And, uh, next episode is. I think like after, what do you think? Here's my thought. This is what I was thinking when we were talking, but I couldn't say it at the time. So right now, this is just audio. Once we start getting the feedbacks, we can then say, Hey, we want to meet you. And we're thinking about going video on the yeah. next episode and this that and the third so you can see who we are and this so then that way you can have an intro to it yeah. and then they'll be looking for it to say like oh they're gonna have a video out let's tune into it kind of yeah. thing okay. i agree i agree, okay. I I agree. you know it's funny that you said that because i was thinking the same thing after we decided not to uh get glamorized today i said <laughs> you know what we'll do this one um have them listen to it. And then, yeah, we could always, for this, I'll, we'll just put our photos up. Um, and then for the next one or two, we'll be live on, on both video okay. and video. So now we have okay. to get like a true schedule sharing. Like if we're going to do it, we got to make sure we do it and give it to them when they're expecting to receive it. So Absolutely. you got to let me know when would be like a well, good let me, time let me, let me ask you a question because we're still even recording i'm gonna go to 60 minutes and then i'll let it i want it, a good full hour is probably a good number keep it easy breezy but okay. um do you is is sundays a relaxed enough day or are we in the summertime that you want to keep it monday and do it that way because if it's going to be 60 minutes and we want to do it on a sunday Let's do it on a Sunday. I'll just find okay. a quiet space or wherever it is that I need to be. Yes. When we start doing video, then, you know, we could, I'll make sure that I'm home so I can have, you know, the okay. camera on and all that other good stuff. Or okay. we could even like have it where one of our episodes would be like, hey, Nairene is out on the street. And, you know, this is why Fashion Beyond is one of those podcasts that you always want to be a part of because we're doing this real time and we're 
talking to a person on the street about fashion and here's what they have to say. So we, okay. could, we could definitely do it in so many different kind of ways, put a different spin on it, and then introduce new designers who want to come up and say, like, hey, I got this shoe line that I'm coming out with. And we were like, oh, so, so I mean, we could do so much. That's why it's such a great thing to do. We just got to okay. do it. Okay. It could evolve. It, yes. We sometimes, some, so many times we have plans, but. God has planned for us already, right? Exactly. And we think one way, and then as things start to unfold, they unfold in a different kind of way. Right. Which is absolutely amazing. So, all right, Dolphin. So, all right. We're, we're exactly at, a, at an hour and 20 something seconds. So, I'm going to say, have a beautiful rest of day. And to the audience, thank you for listening. Give us thank your you. insight. I mean, your insight, your, your feedback. Um, and don't forget to like, subscribe, and hit the bell. <laughs> and <laughs> exactly. Okay. All right. Talk All right, to then. you. All right. Bye, babe. Bye.